Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is writer-director John McGarry, who made one of the best films I saw last year, The Mend, a stressed-out comedy starring Josh Lucas and Stephen Plunkett as two adult brothers who have a decidedly toxic effect on one another. It didn't get much of a theatrical release. In Toronto, it played a single week in a smallish room at the Carlton Cinemas, but it's available on iTunes and on various VOD platforms, and it's great. John picked Wolf, Mike Nichols' 1994 attempt to recontextualize the classic werewolf story for contemporary audiences by casting Jack Nicholson as a middle-aged book editor who finds his alpha male side coming out after an encounter with a mysterious animal on a lonely Vermont road. It doesn't work exactly, but the collision of Nichols' intentions with the ancient horror tropes underpinning the story along with the performances of Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader, and Christopher Plummer, is occasionally fascinating. If you've seen it, you know. If you haven't, hang on. This is someone else's movie. It's just one of those movies that I, maybe it's because of the timing of when I saw it, and then, I, and then the frequency uh, with which I saw it after. Like, just, you know, I think it was on cable, and I also, for whatever reason, had a VHS tape of it that I brought to college. Okay. And it was one of my, I think I had five VHS tapes... Uh, that uh, Beetlejuice stripes, <laughs> you know, just like, and I went to college in like a, a sort of a dead, a, a kind of dead town, um, and so that was kind of, kind of, you know, we we would watch these tapes a lot. We would watch okay. Fargo over and over and over again. And, um, so it became a totem. Yeah, but Wolf was always sort of a private thing. I never shared it with, <laughs> I never shared it with um, my sweet mates or anything. I actually just recently mentioned to Minna my partner and the producer of the Ment, uh, that we were going to talk about Wolf. And she's like, what? Wolf? <laughs> she's like, I don't even seen that. You like that movie? Um, and yeah, I don't know why. It always pops up in my head as like a movie that's like, you know, this is a good movie and it was never given a fair shake and and it's kind of ridiculous, but also uh, uh, I, I just watched it again, you know, I just watched it again two days ago and it, it, wor- it works. Yeah, I went, I, I don't think I'd seen it since maybe the DVD release. Yeah. The last time anything new was added to it. So I went back <laughs> yeah. and I've got the Blu-ray and it, it's, it's the weirdest of the, like, there was this, I mean, you know, Wolf was supposedly, ostensibly, it was the result of the horror boom that Sony thought they'd sparked when they released Bram Stoker's Dracula. So immediately uh... it's like we need a Frankenstein movie and a Wolfman movie. And Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh the Brana film was the result there. Uh-huh. And then you've got, well, let's get Mike Nichols to do our Wolfman movie. Let's get Mike Nichols and let's have the lead character be a, a, a book editor. Mm-hmm. Which is so... And I think that's one of the... I think when I when I try to pinpoint like why, why I'm so attracted to the movie, I think when I saw it, it had a kind of untouchable um, sophistication or some kind of... Um, it just felt very. It just felt very sophisticated to me. Yeah, uh, and I think now it still just only feels sophisticated. I don't think it is very sophisticated. Yeah. No, it's but like there's way, like it's that... got all these kind of characters and they, the, the, these characters who uh, you know wear blazers and and uh, and edit books and and, and everything and has oak. Everything has oak and everything. Yeah, everything's dark wood, very nineties, mm-hmm. very like lo- yeah, kind of like deep saturated colors. There's um, veneers. Yeah, veneers. <laughs> very baggy, baggy jackets. That, that dinner party at the beginning. Uh, yeah, at Plumber's yeah, know, yeah. estate, yeah. where everybody's sitting in tables with all these candles. It's just like <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, it's the 
<laughs> and, he, and Nichols does that kind of track in where it's like, you know, he'll 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 track in through people and they'll be talking and then they'll kind of clearly like kind of push out of the push, way of the track. Move out of the yeah. move out of the way of the track as they move towards you know Nicholson or Plummer or something and you know they're you can overhear the conversation. It's very stagey. It's very theatrical. It's very like um like I think at one point they're like oh yeah, they talk about Christopher Plummer's character oh he's so charming and it just sounds so false like yeah. so like stagey like a. Like like the line you'd give to a to a, a member of the chorus in a musical. Yeah, um, I, I was fascinated by the artifice because part of it feels like the logical endpoint of the well. What if this milk toast middle aged guy became a werewolf? Like, what would that? Yeah. How would that play? And what would it be like in the real world? And yeah. then suddenly you realize the real world doesn't factor in here at all. <laughs> no, it's just no. it's all so. It's like real world adjacent. There's a, it's a, right. you know what it is? It's the, it's the movie that Gene Hackman's character is making in Postcards from the Edge. It's like that <laughs> slightly forced fake. Yeah, yeah. But still, like every, all the emotions are valid and weirdly compelling. And there is something to Wolf that yeah. I, I was really surprised to find still works. Yeah. Well, I think it's the. I mean, I think that the center of it is the performances. And I, what really leaps out to me is uh, James Spader. Mm-hmm. Like the most perfectly written James Spader role, yeah, just perfect because he, you know, he's he's the kind the kind of false modesty and false sympathy that he's expressing, even in the most like awkward, weird moments. You know, when he's found out he, uh, you know, lost a, lost the job that he's been like you know pushing for. Right. You know, even in those moments, he's saying like, oh, you know, actually, I think I'm actually relieved in a way. I'm relieved in a sense. You know, it's just like it's it's pretty. It's pretty perfect, and Spader's so great, um, and just takes it to this like. By the end, he's just such a. I mean, he's well, he's he's a wolf too, but he's such a he's such a creep, just such a disgusting like. Yeah, he really goes there. He's that perfect. Yeah, it's that perfect moment of, like, it's not even self awareness, but the actor's joy in the performance is radiant. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Even where like Nicholson is playing a version of genuine emotion. And, yeah, and Spader's just like. Eh, let's piss on each other. Let's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, literally yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go for it. What you're talking about in terms of like the reality adjacent thing is really interesting because I I don't know I didn't do any research, but I don't. <laughs> uh, but you've lived with the film. But I've lived with the. It, it's really a part of me, so I don't feel like research would be no. Um, it is amazing what I, they, they clearly about. didn't shoot. I mean, I, the amount of uh, footage that was actually shot in New York seems. Small that yeah. that you know that that publishing house is a famous building in L.A. Yeah, I think most of it. I mean, there's a shot of him going to work, and it's the like it's where the Best Buy is now on Union Square. It's, yeah, yeah. The construction is there. That you know, it's what's funny about that shot is that it's that always stuck out to me because I always thought it's a choice. It's one of the you know the movie is like a bunch of like kind of minor choices, but they're still choices. Mm-hmm. And Mike Nichols isn't going to make a movie where he doesn't make choices. So it's interesting. It, it, it's kind of fascinating to watch like oh why you know it's like this kind of grumpy cynical old man approach to new york in that shot you know you have him walking to work and it's through a bunch of construction and everything is everything's being uprooted and everything in his life is being uprooted and everything's you know the old guard is is moving out of the way and stuff yeah and 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 it's just such a funny like kind of blunt but very, you know, in some ways, also very, very subtle way of expressing like yeah. a character's inner. Uh, I was trying to turmoil. Out, yeah, I was trying to figure out is like, are they trying to tell me that the the wild is encroaching on New York City? Is that the point? Like, there's open space in Manhattan which you never see. 
is that part of it? I and can't then I well, they do that with Central Park a lot. I mean, sure, that is, yeah. yeah. But that's where you do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. The idea of doing it below. below to me, it just seems like upheaval. I mean, I, I can only oh, assume yeah. it's just, yeah, you know. It didn't just, make sense to me either because every, and also everybody knows the heart of New York's publishing empire is on 14th Street. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, of course. It's just like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should point out we are recording this episode in New York, and I feel more in jokey than usual about oh. you know. It's that, oh, it's that Andy. All you non-New Yorkers yeah, are just gonna have to it. catch up. Google Google Union Square. Yeah, you'll man, you'll get it. Yeah. Uh, Andy Daly has this fantastic bit about uh, an LA comedian touring. And uh-huh. It's on his album Nine Sweaters, uh-huh. um, and it's um, it's just this incredible performance of like all of his jokes are about. So I'm trying to figure out how I can tell my wife that it's over, and I'm just you know I can't get the words out. It's like when you're stuck on the 410. Like, <laughs> impossible local jokes that just don't read. Um, but but the the version of New York that's presented in this film is that sort of patrician old money old world everybody has power yeah. except the people who need it yeah and plumber just he oh god he just embodies it so beautifully yeah uh, yeah and he brings a kind of an old fashioned notion of old money too I mean yeah. he's you know plumber's plumber's Canadian isn't he mm-hmm. and, but it'd be, he's also he's more or less British people too people think he's European yeah right? yeah um, he probably really is he has this kind of ur- you know urbane sense you know it's like a yeah, it's it's a it's a view of the powerful as still essentially uh, refined, mm-hmm. which uh, dukes and things. If Mike Nichols were alive now and he was going to make that movie again, I don't know if he would. I don't know if he would portray um, the powerful in that way. Yeah. And, you know, I guess he's kind of Bloombergian. He was old enough too, though. Like Nichols had grown up in that sort of environment. Oh yeah, that sort of environment. So yeah, you get the sense that that was what he knew. Yeah, I don't think he's mocking it. I think he's. Yeah. Trying to build the best version of it. Yeah. And still put people at each other's throats for, yeah. their, for their favors. I mean, it yeah. does feel like you're in a like a Game of Thrones castle or something in yeah. the end scene where everybody... And it gives like, him a good excuse to bring in some horses, mm-hmm. which which factor in yeah. way more throughout the movie than you'd expect them to. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the other The other thing of New York City is seething with, wild, with wildlife is oh, not yeah. something I would have thought of. Yeah. yeah. Like, now there'd be a scene where he runs around hunting raccoons and squirrels. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's another thing that always appealed to me about the movie is that it was, you know, my, my, uh, I grew up in Texas. And actually, I should say, I saw the movie first with my brother, um, who, was, who was involved in a lot of my formative movie-going experiences when I was visiting him down at UT in Austin. Um, and I think that was another thing. That was another part of it that it made it sort of weirdly special. I don't know why. Um, I, I, remember, I remember something about the kind of vindictiveness of the narrative that like weirdly spoke to me maybe it was my inner child misogynist or something <laughs> you know just like this you know uh, I mean you know I, I, you could say that the, the text of the movie or whatever is kind of inherently misogynist where it's a, a kind of weird wish fulfillment where a guy's wife cheats on her and then she's pretty clearly she's pretty quickly viciously murdered yeah um, it's in there definitely and I, I think that kind of like mixture of sophistication and uh uh uh, genteel trappings mixed with you know kind of petty bloody um, uh, revenge fantasies I think that I, had no, I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that before and it still still kind of works for me yeah there's that weird tension between what a horror movie is supposed to do yeah and what like kind of genteel ideas Nichols wants to explore yeah um 
and I thought about this time watching it. I really thought about the fly as the template, where someone is mm. or the Cronenberg fly, yeah. where someone is becoming something else, yeah, uh, and it's actually changing him, yeah. In, in addition to his body, his soul, yeah. his mind are all up for grabs. Yeah. But Nicholson, being Nicholson, can't help but enjoy it. Like, yes, yeah. there's no fear in the transformation yeah. in Wolf, as opposed to say the Benicio del Toro Wolfman, where. He's just howling about how horrible and tormented he is. He's doing like the full-on Cheney. Right, right, kill me, right. Kill me, kill me. This yeah. is the worst thing ever. Uh, Nicholson kind of gets everything he wants. Well, that's kind of isn't that the be- isn't that the better ver- movie? Yeah, the weird. I mean, you know, you don't want to see a movie about a guy who's tra- it's like you don't want to see a movie about a guy who's turning into a wolf and turning into a wolf is essentially cancer. Mm. You know, you want to. I mean, it, you want him to enjoy it a bit. Yeah, I mean, like the the Doctor Alizaeus, the, the, the old the old Indian man in old Indian makeup, uh, <laughs> who uh, you know he you know he he does he says it's like it feels great to be a wolf, doesn't it? And I think that's. That's part of what drives the movie and keeps you keeps you in it. I mean, it keeps it enjoyable because you're like, oh, this. There's a downside to this, which is you wake you wake up in the middle of the night and you go out and you prowl the streets and you end up maybe murdering someone, and then you win. And the next morning, you don't know what happened. The upside is, you know, you can uh, sleep for long bits of time. <laughs> you have lots of energy and you can hear a lot of shit. You're better at your job now. That was something that actually I thought was funny too. Is how like not a successful. I think that you know, trying to express his uh, heightened powers as a wolf man, yeah, they're never that impressive. Yeah. It's always like it's always like he can hear someone down the hall, yeah. you know, or, or or he at one point he can hear Michelle Pfeiffer uh, drying her hair with a towel, yeah. and it's just like and she's on the phone and she just reacts like, I can't believe you heard that. How how could you hear that? And he's like, Well, this is one of my new powers. But I'm like, Well, couldn't a lot of people hear that? Yeah. It's hard to someone on the phone. <laughs> It just yeah. I, it is it, and it's like a know, funny like they tried to you know and you can see those things those like little screenplay beats where they have to bring you know they have yeah. to bring back. The, Remember how this is a thing? Yeah, yeah. And the the like ooh like ooh it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The echoing of, of the yeah. power. It's just like you know there's got to be there is a better way to do it, but yeah, this yeah. one I, I almost um what was it shoot what was it there's a movie where. I guess one one example is like I'm thinking about what Shyamalan did in Unbreakable, where mm-hmm. you know Willis has all these powers, but he's not very bright, and he's just never really investigated them, which <laughs> yeah. is such a terrific idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that one scene where have you you've never actually ever had a cold, have you? You've never been sick. <laughs> I just I assume because you know if you're a kid and you're not sick, you just assume that's how it is, mm-hmm. and maybe it's weird or you're lucky. But I love the the psychological layering that that Shyamalan pulls off there, where it's like, yeah, these things have always just been. I, I yeah, can, yeah. I can lift stuff if I try. I just yeah. almost never try. Yeah. Uh, and then to have Nicholson be someone who kind of does get this incredible potential and, yeah. and be really petty and self-serving with it and the well also the way the movie's framed it's like the first ex, one of the first ex, uh, expressions of his newfound power is that he can read really fast yeah which is amazing without which glasses because like, you know, you're just like who yeah. thought this all up well, like but it's a, a middle-aged guy it's yeah. a middle-aged writer going oh you know it would be really yeah. awesome if i didn't have to wear the bifocals anymore. yeah 
it's a uh, mundane detail and it's very true in that way you yeah. know it's just like and simultaneously oh yeah, if you have power you can really whip through those manuscript pages yeah. and at the same time you're thinking is that what wolves are known for their high reading speed yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't think I knew that at all. yeah it's like so they can hear really well they they smell mm. well that makes sense and they speed read <laughs> and they really can't they can't resist eating beef yeah. Whenever they're around. <laughs> that is kind of amazing. That's that. It's, yeah. That's the oh, I, yeah. the early eye zombie joke, right? Where it's just like we don't really know how this would fit. But yeah, we, yeah. We, it's somebody said, you know, like, yeah. you know, it would be great right here if you just eat that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the actor's up for it, so eh, you shoot it, you yeah. figure it out later. Yeah. Oh no, no I'm sure that's one of the things that's easy to get Nicholson to do is yeah. uh, you yeah. know chomp on some roast beef. They're hungry, the all, they're hungry all the time, Jack. Trust us on this. They're hungry all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking though, like one one of the other things that I think I always appealed to me about the movie is that it it was it's a very thoroughly kind of northeastern mm. movie. You know, it starts in Vermont. Yeah, it starts in the snow. You know, all these things were kind of foreign to me a, a little bit, but not. You know, my parents, my dad's from uh, Connecticut, my mom's from up, up Michigan, not northeast. But you know, it's I think there was all these things I kind of I was adjacent to in right. a way, and I think I felt it, I, that was sort of. Well, if you always in, found them appealing in yeah, a way, and if you're in Texas, I guess you are like you're culturally removed from like the, that kind of Christmas tradition, that kind of mm-hmm. winter tradition. Those are things you'd only have seen yeah. in the movies. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, certainly. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and remove, removed from horses, removed from <laughs> book editing, removed. You know, it was all kind of uh, foreign but approachable at the same time. Yeah, living in a ho- you know when he moves and lives moves into a hotel. That to me is still a, you know, you know that hotel doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But uh, that to me is still kind of a fascinating, weirdly old school detail. That Eloise fantasy. Yeah, right? like the, the, I moved into the Mayflower. This used to be the way things were. Yeah, That's yeah, what happened. yeah. When your when your wife cheats on you, you can always move into a hotel. <laughs> As opposed to, and you've just made a movie about the realities of that, which yeah. is that you just know I'm going to stay with my brother and Rose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be the funny version of Wolf was where he, where, where she cheats on him and he doesn't have enough money to go anywhere, so they're still just sort of stuck in the same apartment. You a werewolf yet? No. He's sitting in the living room listening to her have sex with James Spader. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I don't want to. I kind of. It would work. It would be. It could yeah, yeah, no, it would work. That work. Mike Nichols would make it work. There will be a mumblecore uh, werewolf. Uh, there was one, right? Um, didn't Swanberg make Silver Bullets? Oh yeah, Swanberg's I didn't know guy. that. I didn't. I've never seen it. I didn't know yeah. it was about. Wolves. It's sort of a. It's a roundabout werewolf. Oh, gotcha. It's kind of in there, and it's not a bad. Like it's an Is interesting there a take. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think of the movie? Honestly, I, I find it really interesting because yeah. there was that there's that period of Nichols' work where he's not in the wilderness exactly, mm-hmm. but he you get the sense that he just kind of went away for a while. Mm-hmm. He was working, but he, he was doing stuff like um, you know, there's Primary Colors, which is mm-hmm. a broad satire because mm-hmm. it needs to be, mm-hmm. and then there's. Wolf and there's the other one I always think about is What Planet Are You From the, the Gary Shanley movie oh God, which I've never seen it's terrible like it's yeah. just terrible yeah. the uh, the concept the doesn't even like it's it, yeah. it's basically it trips falls smashes its teeth on the curb and tries to get up and say <laughs> I'm so funny and it's just horrible oh man um, the Ben Kingsley is uh, the, the concept is that Shanley is an alien who's sent to Earth to procreate and uh, can't because he's he's hapless, he's useless at helping mm. picking up women. So he uh, there are two good ideas in it. One yeah. is that a middle aged man would have no idea how to be a middle aged man, uh-huh. which is sort of interesting. 
And the other is that <laughs> Annette Benning is he's paired with Annette Benning almost immediately, and she just doesn't put up with any of it. Mm. So she, the idea that she falls in love with him is inherently awful and stupid because Annette Benning has already established herself as too smart to fall for this. Mm. But she's doing her best to go along with it, and it's just this awful, protracted romantic comedy that isn't funny <laughs> and isn't romantic. But the and and Ben Kingsley is his alien contact, his overlord, mm. his Orson uh, in the mm. Mindy universe. And the only time they can see each other because of some planetary anomaly is that Kingsley can manifest in airplane bathrooms, like, in flight. What? Something I can't even remember. What the, <laughs> the, the reasoning, like, it doesn't make sense when you hear it, but you can sort of see how they arrived at that. It's like this really bizarre, they're bouncing him off the clouds or something. He's not really there. It's an image. So is there a... Oh, my God. So, so there so are scenes where he, he has is, to fly. He has to get into like an, air, onto get an airplane, airplane and to, fly and oh talk to Lord. Ben Kingsley in the bathroom. And then Kingsley removes himself by... They end the conversation. They terminate the contact by flushing the toilet. So Ben Kingsley is repeatedly flushed down a toilet in this movie. And someone thought this was hysterical. And it did just Shan- like Gary Shanley write it? I believe he at least co-wrote it. Yeah. Wow. But you just—I saw that with a, with an audience, like five hundred people, yeah. a sneak and dead silence. The combination of Gary Shanley and Mike Nichols is interesting. You would think it would work, right? Yeah, you can it see him directing an episode of Larry Sanders or yeah. something totally, but no, just dead on the page. And they needed Birdcage. T- yeah. Two years. Yeah. Two years after Wolf, right? That, right. Or no, what planet were we from? Was after that. Was after but, that. Yeah, Birdcage, but Birdcage is, is after Wolf. Yeah, Wolf and Wolf and. Um, the other one. Primary Colors. Primary Colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I think it was Postcards. Something I can't remember. Primary mm-hmm. Colors and Wolf. Birdcage. Something else. What planet are you from? And then Closer. Okay. I think. Or it was Vice. I should really look that up. Uh, I'm just going to grab the phone. I saw that when I was on Broadway. Closer. Oh, yeah. How was it, how was it live? Uh, good. I remember one of the actors was not... Uh, Sharon Hines was in it, actually. It was a good cast. Oh. Before he was, this was years ago. This was like yeah. two thousand or something. Um, it always amazed me that that was written by one of the the uh, Alan Partridge writers, Patrick Martin. Oh like right, start with the Anucci Was he Alan Partridge before or after he wrote it? Uh, he was on Partridge before. Yeah, that thing goes back to the nineties. Uh, that's in the nineties, right? Uh, Mike Nichols. That's another text that has a kind of vicious wish fulfillment. <laughs> Closer. In a way, I mean, it's all about just people confessing things that they shouldn't confess and mm-hmm. being, well, maybe they should confess it, but they confess it in the most kind of blunt. Yeah. Okay, I completely botched the order. So, uh, Postcards is 90, regarding Henry, which I always forget was his in 91, mm. then Wolf in 94, Birdcage in 96, Primary Colors in 98. Uh, I thought it was earlier than that, but of course it's about the period that's yeah. uh, What Planet Are You From in 2000? Uh, that, actually, <laughs> that is crazy because who would think that's the most recent <laughs> you know that's, I, it's so thoroughly forgotten yeah I was like well it had to be before 9-11 because you couldn't get away with the jokes, <laughs> the jokes. but only they got, just, they got yeah. it right before 9-11 Wit in 2001 which is a really great uh, adaptation of that play oh and I can see that yeah. HBO it's really good so I'm sure that's on HBO Go it's worth seeing Angels in America Closer and Charlie Wilson's War and that was it Charlie Wilson's War is pretty good too, yeah and it also exists in that Wolfiverse where everything yeah. is a little heightened and a little unreal. I mean, I think it's the it's not too different from uh, the Hitchcockiverse. I mean, it's just like a, I don't think Nichols can shoot in real locations. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he prefers to. I think he likes a certain amount of control. You know, half of whenever they go to Laura Alden's house and Wolf, it's a, it's very clearly a set, yeah. a nice set too. I mean, Bo Welch is the production designer. It's like a 
you know, it's a beautiful, elaborate set, but it's very, like, clearly, you can tell those plants are not real. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, which is, it, which I think was also, not to keep going back into my personal biographical, like, relationship that, to the movie. That is what the but, show is for. Okay, yeah, but I, but it is, like, I, I think I, I knew enough, because 94, I was 16 or 17. Okay. Um... So I had definitely seen movies by then. I'd seen Citizen Kane by then. I'd seen Taxi Driver. I'd seen a lot of like great movies by then, and you know, n- knew that that's was something I loved. And I could sense watching Wolf that I knew I knew about Mike Nichols. I think I'd probably seen Working Girl. I'd maybe seen. Would you have seen The Graduate by then? I think I might have seen The Graduate by then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know I was about that age when I saw The Graduate, and I was definitely too young. I should have, you know, like it's one of those things. Waited. That, yeah, it clarifies yeah. after you're twenty. I think. I saw well, and then it's sixteen. And then it. Curdles when you're in your third. <laughs> I just watched it recently. I was like, yeah. Oh, oh no, it's a different movie every time. Yeah, I did not. I didn't like it. I d- really didn't like it last time yeah. I watched it. It's much more. I just thought it the was. The older you get, the more you are, the more aware you are of how abusive it is. Like to everybody's everyone. a little shit. Yeah. No, and everybody's it, awful. Yeah, everybody's awful, which is fine, but it doesn't. It it just makes the like her uh, Catherine Ross's character just doesn't make doesn't make any sense yeah. by the end. And, and actually. You know, there's just not enough story there in a weird way. Yeah. Like it's really kind of grasping. I can see you can see why it was, you know, powerful and why it was so it really touched a nerve because just the way it's made. Mm-hmm. It's pure purely because of Mike Nichols. Like just like his ideas with music, which are still very innovative, and uh, the kind of wry approach to you know society and kind of party culture and stuff. But I, I don't. I mean, yeah. they're such awful people. <laughs> they're such awful people, and it just didn't. It just seemed like a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas, and you know, you know, sometimes you see it. Actually, the, I just saw the Revenant. And this is kind of how I felt about that. Like mm. you see, a lot, like a lot, you can see a lot of ideas within a script, and the script is just trying to get to those ideas the whole time. Yeah. But to get there, it just feels kind of inorganic or like weirdly like filler. Yeah. Like I feel like the Revenant has filler, which oh, is weird. Oh, it does. It absolutely you know? does. <laughs> you know, which is strange. The, the argument I was making about the Revenant, I saw it like. There were 40 people in the theater, and it's a 600-seat, big, big, ABX mm. super room. And it was so, to me, obnoxious in its need to show you suffering, which is what Inuri <laughs> does, right? Like, that's yeah, his yeah. thing. Uh, but I just, at the end of it, it was like, Larry Fessenden could make this movie. It would be 90 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would cost $10 million, <laughs> and it would be so much better. Yeah, yeah. And the two million, you'd have a real better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, you'd have a nice catering. Yeah, that's true. For once, yeah, let yeah, the yeah. man have sort of a Jack Fisk here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I try. You know, so Revenant. I was, I was, I was very much. I don't know if you've been following that on Twitter at all or anything, but I've been gunning to like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I and I, I didn't quite like it because I, I still kind of defend Birdman. Um, well, there's stuff about Birdman that yeah. I admire, but I just think in the end, like. I keep coming back to the the need to show off is so much more important mm. than the need to tell a story. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. is this? What is the point of yeah. of Amy Ryan and Andrea Riceboro almost kissing? Like it's or they they almost <laughs> sort of do, like everybody forgets that's in there because it. It's, yeah, I it, forgot that was. <laughs> yeah, it lifts right out because it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But it's like you know you know what this scene needs. You know, but if you gotta you gotta if you got a, a one long take, you gotta you gotta jam stuff in there. Sometimes it's not gonna make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. But with um, yeah, with the Revenant, it's just the the the. It just felt so masturbatory to me. It just felt yeah. like it wouldn't stop. And then at the end, speaking of which, why there was no? I, I'm surprised there were no masturbation scenes. 
Hmm. Maybe think about it. You know, Leo's out there alone. He's got nothing else going on. <laughs> I'm surprised in your YouTube. Maybe they did go there. They just cut it out. Leo, this is how you stay warm. <laughs> this will keep you warm tonight. This is Leo how just works. glares and I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's the shot at the end where he looks into the camera. <laughs> now! He starts what? blinking off. Maybe not doing um, we laugh. It's funny to think of, yeah, you know, Mike Nichols, I know, is not always... Um, He's sort of popularly respected, but he's not. I I, I sense from a, the, the film critic community, the smarter film critic community, is not always not always respected because well, he's sort of just uh, he just he's just urbane. He's just sophisticated. I think and towards he's, yeah, like the last half of his career is really hit and miss. Yeah, and I think so he's the, the, you know I, I don't think he's considered a very kind of cinematic, cinephilic director. Uh, you know his the, 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 his strong points are not always uh, the ones that are most valued. Yeah, I've heard him just actors. You yeah, know, I've heard him dismissed a couple of times. Oh, and you know he was a theater director. It's like, yeah, that's why he's great with actors. That's yeah. kind of yeah know, Virginia Woolf and stuff. Like you can't yeah. write off that aspect. Which is something. The longer I'm a filmmaker, that's just the more the more it's 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 just harder to resist that respect. You know, just like like. Like man, actors—it's such a huge part of making a movie, and to see it done well is just infinitely impressive to me. Yeah, no, <laughs> you I, know, you I, just can't I, help but like look. You give me the emotional anchor. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I will, I will make up reasons in my yeah. head why things are happening the yeah. way they're happening if I believe in what I'm seeing. Yeah, if I believe the actors. Yeah, but he's also great at like kind of you know he's always tethered to a sense of wit. Mm-hmm. And a sense of humor, which really speaks to me, I think. You know, Jack Nicholson is always on the edge of making some... He he does... He There was so much... Um, what's the word for it? Just making faces. He makes so many faces pulling in the faces, movie. Yeah. He's just pulling faces. Like, at the end of every scene, the, the camera will linger on him, like, maybe three seconds longer than normal <laughs> when he makes, like, one, one extra little Jack face. Yeah. Where he'll, like, look over there and then pucker his lips or something. It's just, like, it's hammy, but it also, like, you know, it's, that's Jack. Yeah. You know? It's pleasurable. Right? Yeah. Like, you're giving... You are technically giving us what we're there to see. Yeah. Because the movie's definitely, mo- you know, it's like half about him. Yeah. It's like, ha- like the you know, it's a, a very old-fashioned handling of a star where it's like you know they, that's how they're marketing it they're marketing it through Jack Nicholson and you're watching it because Jack Nicholson is Jack Nicholson like he keeps you in it yeah you know I mean mm-hmm. if it's if it's uh, uh, Tom Berenger turning into a wolf yeah you know it'd just be unbearable <laughs> I was trying to no think offense to like, Tom Berenger but no, you know, I, it's like a different you know. you're exactly right like the persona is part of it and yeah. I was trying to figure out who like who else is even close who would you cast Oh, now? In, well, no, in 94, like there's, or 95, there's nobody uh, else who could play that role the way that Nicholson plays it, because it's no. written towards him, like it plays into his strengths. It plays into his strengths, and it also, you know, it's, the character is kind of a, it's supposed to be a schlub, so mm-hmm. it's like you're having this extremely charismatic guy play a passive schlub yeah. who, you know, gives, is more than happy to be kicked while he's down. Yeah. I was um, trying to figure out, like, could you actually pull it off? Could you cast another actor and then replace him with Nicholson? Once the transformation kicks in, like what if <laughs> then you're in like nutty professor territory? Yeah, but that kind. Well, of they could have cast Eddie Murphy, sure, and then replaced him. Uh, what? <laughs> oh, that's a dream movie right there. Eddie Murphy starts out as a book editor, <laughs> turns into a wolf, and becomes Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Oh man, there's that. Those dream projects. Jack you know? and Hyde together again. Yeah, uh, I think we don't see that. But, but it, but it does. It plays so much. It plays so much on his persona. Yeah, that. You know, when it comes out, when it starts to emerge, it's just like, oh, that's 
that's a great idea. Like the yeah. self actualization through curse, through supernatural. Yeah. Uh, and it also weirdly, like for me, it fought the idea of the movie being tragic at all. Because if you yeah. get to turn into Jack Nicholson, aren't you ahead? Aren't you like? Isn't that an improvement? Yeah. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think that's why you, that's that's the whole thing. It's like the opposite of the the Benicio, Benicio del Toro Wolf movie, which I haven't seen. It's not but good. Uh, it's not that. It's not. It's not good. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It's like it's part of what keeps you in the movie and keeps you excited is knowing how exciting it must be to become a wolf. It's painful, and he's scared of it. And yeah, you know, at one point he says like, "Oh, I prefer to have a brain tumor than this." But you know, you don't totally believe it. You're yeah. Like, no, come on. Yeah, because no, no, you're finally getting to. I don't know what I don't know what fantasies he's even getting to fulfill other than just not being passive anymore. Yeah. He's basically winning a battle over pass- passivity. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other problem with a horror movie that or if, you know, anyone going expecting a horror movie. Yeah. You don't get one. Like it's just oh, no. it's just not that. <laughs> no. Um, I mean it it delivers in the end in terms of of, of uh, 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 action sequence yeah. and and there's some blood and but you know it's so there's like a, almost like a giallo aspect to the that yeah. final face off with the oh and we haven't talked about the score the score is so mm. wonderful the, the score is wonderful that any Marconi 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 is um I mean it's just like I was I was talking earlier about like what appealed to me and there was just all these elements of um I was savvy enough with movies about movies when I saw it to know that like it was old school like what I was watching was like an old school movie I knew that Mike Nichols was like an old school director and I knew it was weird that they were like on sets and that and that you know there's something very um two-dimensional about the way the movie's made it's purely it's pre-CGI all the almost all the effect I think all the effects are practical yeah there's a couple of dissolves yeah there's and there's dissolve but the dissolve is the oldest trick in the book you know it's like uh, there's so much such you know so many great kind of like found foundational like basic um, little flourishes like that. Yeah. Um, and then you have the you know this the score which is almost wall to wall. And trying for a different tone than the movie you're getting, which like yeah. it's, it's a horror score. It's a yeah. proper gothic yeah. kind of big expensive yeah orchestral score. Yeah. And it's for a movie about a book editor. Like, yeah. It's just it's yeah. this weird. Yeah. I guess the shining. I love that. I mean thing, that right? contrast There's, is perfect. Yeah. yeah. To me. That's the kind of contrast that makes me excited in a movie, and you know, it's sort of like a, a giant score, kind of almost. It's not mocking the character, but it's like you know, it's uh, it's dwarfing him. Yeah, it's dwarfing right? it's, him. It's, it's making you know that what he's going through is bigger than him. In some yeah. Way. yeah. Um, you know, whenever they're the the kind of like clunky w- way they shoot him on his little night escapades as a wolf. You know, they shoot it. I think it's all day for night. Yeah, I think they're shooting day for night, and it's very clearly just a stunt double. Right. Even he's pretty much in focus sometimes, <laughs> like in, yeah. in a, not even a like a medium wide. You can definitely tell it's like no, that's a dude and like wolf a wolf. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just like stuff like that. It's which that weird thing. There's just... a clunkiness that I liked about yeah. it. You know, I was like, oh, that's that's nice. They they're trusting the audience to just sort of go along with this artifice. Yeah. You know, they're trusting the audience to kind of handle this artifice. Which now, you know, I don't know if they would do that. I think they would probably take Jack Nicholson's face and uh, and stitch it, composite it onto the yeah. Um, well, just whatever. The artifice. I mean, artifice is the perfect word because the more you see of the makeup, the the sillier it ultimately gets. I mean, yeah. The contact lenses are not the best, and the, <laughs> and the fingernails are kind of the town thing they try to do. Yeah. Just doesn't work at all. Yeah. Where it's very clearly like a thimble with a nail stuck on it. It doesn't move like a, a finger would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, like, 
it's I, I again I get it right like after Dracula and Frankenstein which were these incredible complex ornate makeups mm-hmm. to the point where you know, like De Niro has stitches where a surgeon would make the incision instead oh, of the right. classic oh this is you know, the Brana like, yeah, right. yeah, yeah where it's all logical it's all oh, yeah. driven by well you know if you did this this yeah. is what it would look like and yeah. it turns out it looks horrible it looks yeah. like a guy it's with a, a lot of scars it's a bummer yeah, you know, and, it's a bummer to watch you know, like a realistic version of Frankenstein. Yeah. And here what they do is the kind of 30s idea to make yeah. up. There's a lot of spirit gum, there's a lot of latex, there's totally. a lot of appliances. And they don't look right, but towards the end they start to work. I like, yeah. can't figure out if it wore me down. Yeah. Or if the contrast between the stunt doubles and Nicholson and, and Spader in final makeup. It's yeah. Like, you kind of can't. Oh, yeah. Well, it. because it's half the time when they're in the makeup, they're in, it's, it's their shooting at a high frame rate and it's all slow motion and and uh, there's wall-to-wall loud scoring. I mean, it's all artifice, so it's like you just go... It, yeah. you know, it all fits. It, that's what I mean. Like, it kind of wins you over. Oh, yeah. Even if you're... Like, it's not camp exactly. No. Um, not exactly. But it's But it's close, getting there. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then at the very end, there's that kind of weird kabuki moment where, you know, he pulls away from Pfeiffer and realizes he sees his hand and, and it is silent movie acting. Like, it's yeah. big... Yeah. Uh, even for Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like, I, this time around, I was really fascinated by those yeah. choices. Like, no, no, this is, like, they played this emotionally. This yeah. was supposed to play. Yeah. And the way they do the tra- the final transitions where you realize at the end, spoiler alert, yeah. uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is a, has also become a wolf. Everyone's a wolf. Uh, yeah. It's, the way they do it is so simply, you know, yeah. done. It's it's basically a series of dissolves. Yeah. With a nice little, like, there's like a kind of uh, wistful theme that comes in, and then they'll dissolve to, like, <laughs> when they finally show... Nicholson's transformation fully to a wolf, it's clearly just like a almost like a puppet. It is wolf. a puppet. <laughs> like a puppet I'm wolf. Pretty sure it's the same one we see at the beginning, too. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be it's a different like, wolf. But it's very clearly not a real wolf. We built one wolf. Uh. Yeah. And that's the like that's the thing that to go back, what, 13, 14 years, American Werewolf nails when mm. you finally see the wolf, the mm-hmm. final form when you see this monster. It's not right. Like it doesn't it looks like a living thing. Mm-hmm. But the proportions are wrong, and its mm-hmm. chest is huge, and it just—it doesn't look like a dog. It doesn't look like a bear. You finally understand, which I—I ne- I mean, maybe there's another movie that I'd never seen, but when I saw it, it felt like the culmination of every movie where somebody gets attacked by what is very clearly a man in a wolf suit, uh-huh. and then says, "I don't know what it was. It was this thing. It was a, it was like a, <laughs> a rabid dog or a bear." They, I mean, they, David even says it. David Naughton even says it in the film yeah, in, yeah. in American Werewolf. And when you see it, it's just like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. It wouldn't look like a wolf." Yeah, yeah. And so when we see this really expensive animatronic, I assume, of a wolf that isn't quite alive. <laughs> It's insulting. Yeah, it's like yeah. you could do that. We've seen this done. You just and yeah, just yeah. hired the wrong team yeah. <laughs> to to fabricate it. Or yeah. like in 1994, I don't think he could have gotten away with CG full creation. No, I don't think so. I don't think he would have either. I don't mean. I think yeah, that's true. It's just Nichols not would've. where Mike Nichols' passions or probably attentions. Yeah. fully lie even the effects in, in What Planet Are You From in 2000 are very very practical yeah glowing lights and stuff like that well and I just don't know even even the practical effects themselves I don't know if he's 
paying closest attention. Paying, I don't think it's just. I don't think it's. You know, it's just like there's only so many things a director can care about. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's not James Cameron. That's yeah, true. I think a certain part of the part of day, he's like, nah, it's good enough. Yeah, there's it, a lot of good enough in the in the in the, in the, the makeup. You know, yeah. there's like a lot of good enough. <laughs> as long as Nicholson's eyes, like as long as Nicholson, yeah, his eyebrows read. Yeah, I think that's what you want. Yeah, and there's that faith. There's that faith in the movie star and the faith in the old-fashioned kind of charms of movies. Um, so maybe some of the faith is misplaced, but yeah. I still respond to it. I still respond to the artifice. I, I think, and I think that's why I respect it. It's just kind of a there's something just kind of fundamentally goofy about the movie. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great. I think I was really happy that you chose it because it's a film. <laughs> well, but nobody like just nobody talks about it. Like it's no. <laughs> It's on Blu-ray, but it's forgotten. Yeah. And it's sort of consigned to that weird little space of, well, that happened. That was a movie that yeah. was released by a major studio. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't know when this is going to be released in, in sequence with the other stuff I've done on this uh-huh. trip, but I, I talked to Aaron Hillis about Ishtar. And again, like it's 1987, Sony, yeah. uh, Columbia Pictures, just not knowing what to do with the film that was delivered to them. Yeah. Uh, and it's Elaine May as opposed to Mike Nichols, but there's that weird connection of these two people who were making working in genre without working in genre because Ishtar yeah. isn't a thriller no a but it's kind picture. of an action movie at it, some point well, it's yeah, it's like a, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it opens with a proper chase sequence yeah. like it opens with a guy getting murdered That's the, the example I kept thinking of was Foul Play which like it plays its it plays that's the one with the albino yeah yeah that was on cable a lot beware the dwarf yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and all that stuff that should be serious is played seriously and all the stuff that should be funny is played for comedy and Mm -hmm. then you get this constant inter interruption of another genre barging in Uh uh Wolf is a transformation movie that takes place over the entire film where it just sort of mutates into whatever its final form will be. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out that it's a tragic romance. But yeah. maybe not so much, because, again, the ending does leave the door open. That's what I like. There's a bittersweetness to the ending. I mean, I think you're relieved because in some weird way you think they'll reunite as wolves. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I wish they had shown that. Yeah. You know, I wish they had shown Michelle Pfeiffer's full transformation to wolf and then the, the two wolves... You know, walk up to each other and like they're kind of nervous and just stuff. Out. Yeah. <laughs> it is kissing a, a little bit. I just I assume they came up with that solution in post just because it makes like the, the series of dissolves and figuring out how to do it. Right, because it feels like nothing else in the movie. Yeah, like it just like well we need it. It's over. What do we do? Yeah, yeah, how do yeah. We go out. You can't just like all the wolf. Well, movies. he did. Sh- I mean, those shots though. I mean, unless they did pickups. They well, have the very face. specific shots of like Michelle Pfeiffer's With the eyes, yeah, face, yeah. like you know, moving, smiling towards it. It's very, yeah, yeah. Oh, and and of course, we haven't even mentioned Richard Jenkins yet, who is oh, yeah. so weirdly great as these, <laughs> yeah. as this exhausted, yeah, normal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even you can't even refer to like he's yeah. okay. He's a detective. He's yeah. figuring it all out. But no, he's just the, he's the normal guy. He's the yeah. guy who keeps missing everything. Yeah, yeah. And he's just becoming more and more frustrated. Which I love. I yeah. love the humanity in his performance. Is just like God damn it. He's, People aren't telling me the truth, and I just I just can't figure out why. Yeah, there's no there's no illusion in the movie that the cops are have any kind of uh, intelligence, yeah. any native intelligence at all. They're just. <laughs> Really looked down on by all all these hoity-toity yeah. rich people and book editors. <laughs> They've been handled for decades, for yeah, generations. Yeah. For generations, we've been paying their kind to leave us alone, yeah. which almost kind of plays into the whole werewolf thing, like the idea that there are these ancient truces in the world that, not in, the, in this yeah. movie, but the larger culture of yeah. the werewolf stuff is, you know, don't stay off the moors. Why? Oh, just do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just you know, when the old guy in the pub tells you that, just. Yeah, 
listen to them. They, they're yeah. in the pub for a reason. Yeah. Um, and, and I here, guess the joy that something like with, with Wolf is like they're bringing... Yeah, they're, they're, the interesting contrast is that they're bringing a, something from the ancient world into a world that, that has no attachment to it anymore. Yeah, and um, you know, even even a world that is soon to be gone, like high end book publishing. Right, right. Uh, doesn't yeah. they don't know that yet? Like, yeah, no. in the movie knows what's coming. <laughs> well, they kind of seem to know it a little bit with the Christopher Plummer character. They know that it's all kind of changing. Yeah, con- there's a lot of talk of conglomerates and. Uh, yeah, um, but I don't, I can't imagine Mike Nichols ever thought that publishing would be. Starving itself out yeah. in this in these decisions. No, I they're don't just, think he. They're uh, just oh, everything's I don't being think he bought. He saw that far on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, it's such a strange film because like, it occupies this really weird space yeah. of transition in everything, including someone briefly trying to say, "Well, horror movies don't have to be about monsters." Yeah, you know, it doesn't. This doesn't have to be a horror movie. This is your werewolf movie, but it's yeah. not your werewolf movie. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I think it's as a result, it's unique. It occupies a really weird place. Yeah. Um, so then the, the, the final question is always the same on the show, which is, like, is there anything in it that you have used in your own work or would like to? Or is there something you keep in your, like, is there part of it that you've just sort of kept in your pocket all this time? Is, does it stay with you? I mean, Does is, it stay with me? I mean, it definitely well, stays well, with me. Well, like, artistically, is there something that, you know, was there a scene in The Men where Josh Lucas, you know... I mean, I mean honestly, it, it is that kind of sense of, and I, I think you can... St- See it in the mend, and hopefully you'll see it. And God willing, any future work I'm able to make, um, it, it's that faith in artifice, and that faith in the contrasts of, of a, for example, a big score against a, a book, a book editor. You know, like just um, imposing large kind of aesthetic elements onto a, a kind of core narrative that wouldn't maybe necessarily you wouldn't necessarily expect to attract those elements. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, the, but it's everything. It's the score. It's the dissolves. It's the you know the you know the strong music cues. The kind of even some of the the kind of stagey wooden acting of extras and stuff. Sometimes it all kind of fits together. I mean, I think you're opening yourself up as a as a filmmaker to just being ridiculed for that because people will think it's a mistake. And maybe in some ways it is. It's Mike Nichols just not connecting to the how the world really works. Right. Um, but that to me is, that's Mike Nichols. He, he didn't connect, I think, probably. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think he probably spent a lot of time in a, you know, a, a limousine and, <laughs> or whatever. And, yeah. and, you know, didn't, you know, and, and that comes across in the movie. And so in that way, it's like, it's an expression of who he is. He's not, he's not really going against who he is when he's making the film. Yeah. You know, it's still staying true to him, even if it seems bogus. Yeah. Which is maybe the ultimate big, biggest cop out you can you could ever <laughs> propose for, for 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 as a film critic. Yeah. But, uh, but that is the stock answer in an uncomfortable situation at a film festival. You know, and somebody comes up to you and they say, "How do you like my film?" And you're like, a friend of mine said his fallback was always, "Oh, only you could have made that." That's <laughs> that is so you. That is so you. Yeah. <laughs> that garbage movie. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I gosh. I just I don't know I don't know if there's anything specific, but the whole the whole thing I feel like I've, I I take with me. That's great. Just, and yeah, <laughs> it's such a weird, so weird. I and I really enjoyed it again, watching it again. I was like, yeah, still still got it. There, the one the one, there's definitely some banter between him and Michelle Pfeiffer that does not work. She particular she's so great in the movie. I mean, she's just such a great actress who 
I don't know where she is now. I mean, I but uh, I wish she were producing a lot. Apparently, just sort of working yeah, on stuff, getting stuff together. I wish she were in more movies. She's awesome. But yeah. um, it's weird too because she is like she's not above it exactly, mm-hmm. but she is self-aware in a way that maybe none of the other actors is. Yeah, in Wolf, like she knows yeah. exactly what her role is within the film, and she's yeah. sort of playing into it. And she's giving she's give, she's given in some ways the mo- the of, of any actor the the most clunkers. In terms of lines, I'd say like the yeah, most, yeah. like kind of like, oh well, yes, there is a price to pay. You know, she yeah. does a lot of like responding that doesn't quite make sense. You know, it's a lot of she raises the stakes a lot, but it doesn't. Well, yeah. she's yeah, she's delivering the movie's wisdom. Like yeah, she, because, yeah, yeah exactly. I think it's because she's supposed to embody normal yeah normal normalcy, like norm, normalcy yeah. and desire, and, yeah. and she's the object rather than the, the person to be yeah. desired. The, the, and she's damaged. Yeah, yeah, which was standard for the nineties, right? Yeah, like you can't just have a nice person. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. Is, who is comfortable in herself and, and oh no, okay, you no, have man. to you have, to have do a, drugs. a deep flaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to imagine it was just a character from Scarface. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Didn't leave, you know. Went to New York, left left Florida, <laughs> got out clean. Wouldn't that be great if that was the way she approached the character, <laughs> or if that's the way she approached all characters? <laughs> She's like, "This is. I'm going to just take the character from um, whoever I played in Grease too, <laughs> and I'm going to bring that into the Age of Innocence." Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah, she's a time. That, that, that would be so fantastic. Yeah, yeah. On a jump fight reverse. Yeah, just, you know. Well, this character it, it never comes up in the movie, but she's a time traveler. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. this is later in her adventure. This is how I get into the role. <laughs> sounds like a loon. I kind of love that. All right, now I have a better theory. That's yeah. We're going to go with this. Age Maybe. of Innocence, yeah, if we could talk again about a movie, mm-hmm. I would talk about that. All right, I'll book you. <laughs> bound to, we're bound to do the order again at some point. That's a tougher one because you can't look down on it as much as, as Wolf. Well, <laughs> you don't have to look down on Wolf. No, just, no, that's he true. He just wants to be loved. It's just easier to handle in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> the stakes are lower. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. My thanks to John McGarry, whose terrific film The Mend is just waiting for you to discover it on iTunes, Vudu, Amazon Prime, Vimeo On Demand, and Netflix in the U.S. If anyone feels like producing a Blu-ray release, I'm happy to provide liner notes. You can find John on Twitter at John McGarry, all one word, and you can find Wolf on DVD and Blu-ray from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. It's also available for sale and rental on iTunes. It's, well, as you heard, it's something. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes, that would be very kind of you. This week's call sign is, I'm just marking my territory. Thanks for listening.